Welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And behind the camera, I'm Mike Varley. And this is week 47 of our 52-week walk around New York City. Yeah, and this week we are in Brooklyn, as we were last week. And we're walking from high school to high school, looking at the high schools in particular where famous female musicians went to high school. That's right. We have, uh, I think, like nine or ten different high schools that we're going to be popping around to. So yet again, we have a, a different angle on the podcast this week. We're jumping around, going uh, and spending five or six minutes at each place to check out the history of the school and uh, one or two, depending on each school, uh, different female musicians. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's start walking. We're right outside the park from our first high school, the Boys and Girls High School. Right, and so we took notes this week and we're gonna be reading from our notes a lot to let you all know what the history of these high schools is and also who went here. Largely, so, largely taken from Wikipedia for those interested in our sourcing. <laughs> Reliable source. Um, yeah, I found Reliab- it fairly. Reliable-ish. Yeah, fairly. Um, Okay, so this is the Boys and Girls High School. It's Brooklyn's first public high school, and it was originally named the Central Grammar School. It was named Central rather than naming it free to avoid controversy over providing free higher education for poor children. Which is crazy. Totally crazy to think about in today's you know obviously now our standard is just that of course all children should be educated and this opened in september of 1878 so that's when that thought process was going on Mm -hmm. it was a rented building on court in livingston which this is not court in livingston this is the we're talking about the history of the school itself ah okay (laughs) so it originally so okay that makes sense so this school was originally further down court and livingston would be like in fort green or park slope Mm -hmm. and then i guess it moved here in a new building that was designed by superintendent of buildings james w naughton but That building was on Nostrand Avenue between Halsey and Macon. By the time it opened in 1886, enrollment had already increased to the point where it was decided to use that building as the girls' high school and to build a separate building for the boys. The boys remained in the Court Street space. So as there were now effectively two schools, in 1891, they were renamed as the Boys' High School and the Girls' High School. <laughs> this person's talking to this other person, and uh, you know, understandably, the cars behind it are upset because there's really no reason. There's no reason to be doing that. Just a little uh, Brooklyn traffic Just for you and for traffic. the Boys and Girls High School. So, a new building for the boys was begun in 1891 on Marcy, between Madison and Putnam Avenue. It opened as Boys High School on November 1st, 1892. In 1975, the two schools were merged once again 
And shortly afterwards, they moved finally to where they are right now and where we are right now at Fulton and Utica. The special female musician that we wanted to speak about well, I that think went I see here her. might yeah. even be on this mural that we're coming up on, Lena Horn. Lena Horn, yep. And you can see Shirley Chisholm is here as well. Yeah called her out that she also went here. But Lena Horne was an African-American dancer, actress, Grammy-winning singer, and civil rights activist. Horne's career spanned over 70 years, appearing in film, television, and theater. Horne joined the chorus of the Cotton Club at the age of 18 and became a, or sorry, at the age of 16, so young, and became a nightclub performer before moving to Hollywood. So maybe even while she was going to high school here, she was yeah, already possibly. performing at the Cotton Club. Horn advocated for human rights and took, took part in the March on Washington in August of 1963. Later, she returned to her roots as a nightclub performer and continued to work on television while releasing well-received record albums. From 1946 to 1962, Horn resided in St. Albans, Queens, which we've walked through before which was an, at the time was an enclave of prosperous African-Americans where she counted among her neighbors, Count Basie and Ella Fitzgerald, among other jazz luminaries. And Horn died in 2010 in New York City at the age of 92 of heart failure. Yeah, yeah, she had an amazing career. She's kind of in the uh, Rat Packy era of performers and uh, yeah, beautiful voice. Yeah. Yeah. Was I saying her name correctly? Was Lena it Lena? Is it Lena? Lena Horn. I was kind of saying more like Le Lena. Well, it's Lena. Lena. So we're learning. We're correcting ourselves real time. I want to just call this out. I was looking at this with the camera as you were reading. It's a pretty amazing oh, wow. statue, uh, detailing the, the size of the ship holds in uh, in slave boats. Oh my gosh and kind of mimicking the, the size as well of the, or the, the shape of the hull. Really very interesting. But yeah, Lena Horne was also very active in civil rights. I mean, as you just read. Right. Uh, being involved in the, in the early 60s. Right, and I March guess. March on Washington. Were all these people on this mural people that went to school here as well? Uh, that I'm not sure. Mm. I, my guess would be yes, I guess but I can't probably. say definitively. Because I, I didn't uh, spend a lot of time looking for everybody at every school. We wanted to kind of yeah, keep it narrow keep it so that we can uh, have, uh, you know, give the female vocalists of Brooklyn their time to shine. Right. We have, uh, I used to see Lena Horn a lot when I worked at the nursing home. She was on a guest star on the Dean Martin Variety Program quite oh. a lot. And yeah, just kind of from that era, as I said earlier, Rat Pack era, but like even more, uh, more descriptively, kind of that era of entertainers that they they just got up there and like knocked out of the park some particular song you know when like uh, class and 
and singing ability were like number one and two on what you wanted out of a performer, you know? Right. So. Yeah, I don't have a lot of um, personal connection to that era of music, to be honest. I feel like I'm, I'm somewhat familiar and whenever I hear it, I think, oh wow, this is nice, <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, I didn't work at a nursing home. <laughs> and yeah, no one around me really was listening to that in front of me at least. So yeah. kind of, I guess maybe now's a, an opportunity. I still have time to check it out. Yeah. Well, we're gonna flash forward in time to our next high school. Okay, we're out here in front of our second school, George Wingate High School. And I'm gonna read a little bit about the history as we walk around. It's a pretty cool exterior. Yeah, it looks like a spaceship. Yeah. George W. Wingate High School is a defunct comprehensive high school in the Prospect Lefferts Gardens and Wingate neighborhoods of Brooklyn, New York City. Now, I'll stop for a second. I say defunct, but as you'll see with a few of the high schools, that just means that there are other things going on in the same building. It opened in 1956 and was closed down in June 2006 due to poor academic performance. The school was then divided into four small schools. The school is named for George Wood Wingate, an officer in the Union Army during the American Civil War. The campus now houses four small schools under the New Visions for Public Schools initiative of the New York City Department of Education. There are the International Arts Business School, the School for Human Rights, the School for Democracy and Leadership, and the High School for Public Service, Heroes of Tomorrow. It looks like maybe you can see these little plaques. I don't know how well it shows yeah, up on that the they camera, painted but in. of those different schools. You can also hear the little yaps. Yeah, there's also a little, a little doggy. Yeah. But yeah, I like the, the circular design of the school. <laughs> this woman is putting her foot up between us and the dog. <laughs> to try and get him to quiet to down. To try and get him to stop. We're obviously very vicious. Here's another nice um, art piece at this school. Yeah. I see someone in a Native American headdress and what looks like maybe a Union soldier. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the, the angle of the statue is in terms of what it's communicating. Yeah, there's no plaque or anything. Yeah. Oh, and it has a, it goes all the way up, that white part. Yeah. All right. But yeah, very cool facade. Also, right here, there's, I guess, some sort of growing program, pretty significant along the side here. Yeah. Like a gardening class. Yeah, and then a type of greenhouse further down. And it's right across the street from, to be honest, I don't know what it is. I thought it was a hospital. Yeah, I think it is. But it also has these two huge smokestacks coming up, too. Oh, yeah. This is, says it's the youth farm. Yeah.
So I'm going to read about the famous female musician as we walk around and approach the track, which is pretty cool. Great. Lana Michelle Maurer, better known by her stage name, MC Light, mm. is a Grammy-nominated American rapper, DJ, actress, and entrepreneur. Considered one of the great pioneers of female rap, Light first gained fame in the late 1980s, becoming the first solo female rapper to release a full album with 1988's critically acclaimed Light as a Rock. Mm. She released a total of eight solo studio albums, 2015's Legend being her latest, and an EP with Almost September. With songs like Cha Cha Cha, Paper Thin, 10% This, Roughneck, with which she became the first female solo rapper to achieve a gold certification, and Poor Georgie, MC Light has influenced the work of later female rap figures such as Queen Latifah, Lil' Kim, The Brat, Missy Elliott, Lauryn Hill, and Eve, among others. She has also had collaborations with mainstream artists such as Sinead O'Connor, Janet Jackson, Brandy, Boys to Men, Escape, Moby, Will I Am, and Beyonce. In addition to her career as a rapper, she has worked in parallel as a writer, DJ, has done various voiceover work, and has more than a dozen credits as an actress in film and television. Light has also has Light also has their own foundation, Hip Hop Sisters, and has worked with several other charities. MC Light was recognized for her career with the I Am Hip Hop Icon Lifetime Achievement from the BET Hip Hop Awards and was honored at the VH1 Hip Hop Honors. She was ranked by About.com as number 26 on their list of 50 greatest MCs of our time. Wow. And number six in the greatest rappers ever survey organized by NME. Oh my gosh. And she, and she also- came here. Yeah, and she came here. And she will be referenced a couple of other times on our tour of high schools, as you will see. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I'll certainly stay tuned. I'll <laughs> certainly stay tuned. <laughs> this here is comes a, a nice... tire rolling towards us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, I wonder why. I don't know. <laughs> here, let's stop I, uh, here and take a I love gander. this yeah. track. I didn't realize the other day when we were over here. I don't know if you can actually see it, but right over here near us, it looks like it's a little wobbly. Looks like it needs yeah. to be re-rubbered uh, or something, but I really like the bleachers and... Yeah. Yeah. So that's this cool. Let's uh, keep it brisk and keep it breezy. Go over to our next school. Okay, bye. For now. <laughs> All right. So we're at our third school, the Erasmus Hall High School. That's right. And Erasmus Hall High School was a four-year public high school located at 899-925 Flatbush Avenue between Church and Snyder Avenues in the Flatbush neighborhood of the New York City borough of Brooklyn. That's right. We're on the back entrance right now. We're going to walk around to the front entrance. You can't get in, but you can see the courtyard set up. Yeah, so and we'll, we'll hear about that in a second. Yeah. So. This was originally founded in 1786 as Erasmus Hall Academy, a private institution of higher learning named for the scholar 
Desiderius Erasmus, also known as the Erasmus of Rotterdam, a Dutch Renaissance humanist and Catholic Christian theologian. The school was the first secondary school chartered by the New York State Regents. The clapboard-sided Georgian federal-style building, constructed on land donated by the Flatbush Reformed Dutch Church, was turned over to the public school system in 1896. Yeah, where this is not a part of it. We're just going a long ways around right now. Yeah, this looks like it's actually a different school. This is PS6 this is, Bedford Avenue yeah. entrance. But we're going to come around the corner to check out the front. Anyway, Perfect. continue. Around the start of the 20th century, Brooklyn experienced a rapidly growing population and the original small school was enlarged with the addition of several wings and the purchase of several nearby buildings. In 1904, the Board of Education began a new building campaign to meet the needs of the burgeoning school student population. The superintendent of school buildings, architect C.B.J. Snyder, designed a series of buildings to be constructed as needed around an open quadrangle while continuing to use the old building in the center of the courtyard. So I guess that was the courtyard that we just saw. Yeah. I don't really know what a quadrangle is. I guess a four-sided triangle, <laughs> which isn't a triangle. Okay, uh, the, a four-sided shape. The original academy building, which still stands in the courtyard of the current school, served the students of Erasmus Hall in three different centuries. Now a designated New York City landmark and listed in the National Register of Historic Places. The building is a museum exhibiting the school's history. Due to poor academic scores, the city closed Erasmus Hall High School in 1994, turning the building into Erasmus Hall Educational Campus and using it as the location for five separate smaller schools. Those five schools were the Academy for College Prep and Career Exploration, the Academy of Hospitality and Tourism, a high school for service and learning at Erasmus, a high school for youth and community development at Erasmus, and the Science, Technology, and Research Early College High School Middle School at Erasmus. Yeah, it's interesting. To, I wonder what the deal is with breaking these schools up. Again, I said yeah. we'll see that a few times, but there must have been some sort of philosophy that changed about not having massive administrations and chunking it up into smaller things. Yeah, well, I mean, this one in particular, it said that they closed it because the scores were so low. Yeah. So I wonder if they just thought, like, if we specialize in smaller chunks, then we'll be able to actually teach the kids better. Right. All right. Now, and, go on. Yeah, no, I think we were going to say the same thing. We're gonna, now we get to talk about who went to this school. There are two. There are two people, and one of them, you know, she's, she's a diva. Oh, yeah. I think they might both be divas, but one is like really, really, really well known as yeah. a diva. Yes. And that diva is Barbara Streisand. Babs. That's it. That's who we're talking about. Let's talk Babs. Uh, I don't know if she really needs the. Uh, she doesn't need us. The description. She doesn't, she need, doesn't us. need us. That's for sure. But here we go anyway. 
Barbara Streisand is an American singer, actress, and filmmaker. With a career spanning seven decades, she has achieved success in multiple fields of entertainment and is among the few performers awarded the EGOT, which is all of them. The Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony. EGOT. Yep. Streisand began her career by performing in nightclubs and Broadway theaters in the early 1960s. Following her guest appearances on various television shows, she signed to Columbia Records and released her debut, the Barbara Streisand album in 1963, which won two Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year. Throughout her recording career, Streisand has topped the US Billboard 20, uh, 200 chart with 11 albums, which is a record for women, including People from 1964, The Way We Were, Guilty, and the Broadway album from 1985. She has topped the US Billboard Hot 100 chart five times with her number one singles, The Way We Were, Evergreen, You Don't Bring Me Flowers, No More Tears, Enough Is Enough, and Woman In Love. Following her established recording success in the 1960s, Streisand ventured into film by the end of that decade. She starred in the critically acclaimed Funny Girl, for which she won the Academy Award for Best Actress. Additional notoriety followed with films including the extravagant musical Hello, Dolly, the screwball comedy What's Up, Doc, and the romantic drama The Way We Were. Streisand won a second Academy Award composing music for Evergreen, the love theme from A Star is Born in 1976. She was the first woman to be honored as a composer. With the release of Yentl in 1983, Streisand became the first woman to write, produce, direct, and star in a major studio film. The film won an Oscar for Best Score and a Golden Globe for Best Musical, or sorry, for Best Motion Picture Musical. Streisand also received the Golden Globe Award for Best Director, becoming the first and for 37 years, the only woman to win that award. Streisand later directed The Prince of Tides and The Mirror Has Two Faces. With sales exceeding 150 million records worldwide, Streisand is one of the best-selling recording artists of all times. According to the, rec according to the Recording Industry Association of America, she is the highest certified female artist in the United States with 68.5 million certified album units, tying with Mariah Carey. Billboard honored Streisand as the greatest Billboard 200 female artist of all time. Her accolades include two Academy Awards, 10 Grammy Awards, including the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award and the Grammy Legend Award, five Emmy Awards, four Peabody Awards, and, oh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom and nine Golden Globes. There you Ooh, go. Wow, yeah. girl. <laughs> That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Good for Babs. Yeah. Um, there's also another woman that went here. Yes. I mean, there are plenty of women that went here. Uh, there weren't a lot of uh, listed people in this particular genre right. of female vocalists. But this one, I like her music more, maybe. Yeah, I think Streisand. I would agree. Before we talk about her, I want to briefly say that I met Barbara Streisand once. Oh, yeah? When I was selling little alpaca uh, baby clothes right. that were all made out of natural fiber. It was selling them for someone else. They were like made out of the natural fibers. They were the natural color of the alpaca. They were like all the different browns and creams and stuff. It was really 
cool and that's like how we sold them and the way I met her was that she came to this sale she came up to my table and she was like odd colors for baby clothes don't you think <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I think I was like 20 years old and I was like well I, uh, I mean they're it's alpaca <laughs> hi <laughs> very like nervous and also honestly I was like why are you talking to me then <laughs> like I'm obviously selling them so no I don't agree with you Barbara Streisand well, thanks for stopping by she's but a director was, as well it as was a good. Event, so no it was she, good she was like she it was exactly yeah I was glad she took the time to talk to me yes um so anyway moving on to our other special my favorite Barbara Streisand song oh. is the Jingle Bell song where she scats jingle bells. Oh. Anyway, nice. continue. Yeah. So let's talk about Stephanie Dorothea Mills. Yes, yeah, Stephanie Mills. Yeah. So Stephanie Mills was born March 22nd, 1957. She's an American singer and songwriter. Mills rose to stardom as Dorothy in the original seven time Tony Award winning Broadway run of the musical The Wiz from 1974 to 1979. The star, the song Home from the show later became a number one U.S. R&B hit for Mills, and it was her signature song. During the 1980s, Mills scored five number one R&B hits, including Home, I Have Learned to Respect the Power of Love, I Feel Good All Over, in parentheses, You're Putting a Rush on Me, and Something in the Way You Make Me Feel. Mills wore, won a Grammy Award for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for her song Never Knew Love Like This Before in 1981. That's right. And that's a fun one. Yeah, I love that song. We were listening to it this week in memory, or not in memory, in commemoration of yes. Stephanie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's head on. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. All right. Up next, we have a school that isn't necessarily as visually impressive as our last one, but it's got a lot of talent coming out of there. So this is Brooklyn College Academy. I'm going to read a little bit about the history. Brooklyn College Academy is a high school located in Brooklyn in the New York City Department of Education. It is a double-sided school and it serves grades 9 to 12. Brooklyn College Academy was ranked second for highest graduation rate in the borough of Brooklyn with 97% of students graduating on time. It provides children with an early college program, which ensures that they get college credit while they are still in high school. Brooklyn College Academy, founded in 1986 in a partnership between then Board of Education and Brooklyn College, served as an alternative school, a program which was created to help older high school students that have not done well in other settings. The school no longer serves this purpose and is a normal high school in the school system. Almost all of the school's graduates go on to attend college, two or four year institutions. Let's see if we can cross and get a look inside the, the building a little bit. While we're waiting for the cars to pass by, we have two alums that we're gonna be talking about here. The first of which Igna DiCarlo Fung Marchand, who goes by Foxy Brown. She is a Trinidadian American rapper. After signing to Def Jam in 1996, she released her debut album, Il Na Na, that same year, and was also part of the short-lived rap group, The Firm. 
1999, her second album, China Doll, debuted at the top of the Billboard 200, making her the second female rapper to top the chart after Lauryn Hill in 1998. Her third album, Broken Silence, was released in 2001, which featured the Grammy-nominated track, Nana Be Like. The Firm's sole album, the firm's sole album arrived in 1997. Since 2001, she's featured on songs, but has not released any albums. Brown has cited Nas, MC Light, and Salt and Pepper as their influences. And the other famous alum from here, Kimberly Denise Jones, maybe somebody recognizes that name, better known by her stage name Lil Kim, is an American rapper, songwriter, actress, model, and reality television personality. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, she lived much of her adolescent life on the streets after being expelled from her home. In her teens, Jones would freestyle rap, influenced by fellow female hip-hop artists like MC Light and Lady of Rage. In 1994, she was discovered by fellow rapper The Notorious B.I.G., who invited her to join his group Junior Mafia. Their debut album, Conspiracy, generated two top 20 singles in the United States and was certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. Lil' Kim's debut studio album, Hardcore, was certified double platinum and has since sold more than six million copies worldwide and spawned three successful, successful signals, signals, singles, No Time, Not Tonight, Ladies Night, and Crush On You. Her following albums, The Notorious K.I.M. and La Bella Mafia, were also certified platinum. In 2001, she was featured on the single Lady Marmalade, alongside Maya, Pink, and Christina Aguilera, which topped the Billboard 100. Other notable singles from this period include The Jump Off and Magic Stick, the latter of which reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. She has sold more than 15 million albums and 30 million singles worldwide. Low Kim. And yeah, I, I've been looking around the building to see if there was more of it, uh, but I don't believe there is. And to give you some, some context, we're right by Prospect Park, near the parade grounds. So fairly, fairly central Brooklyn, I'd say. On to the next school. All right, so we're at our next high school. We are in the Midwood section of Brooklyn, and we are at Edward R. Murrow High School. Yeah. And this school is known for its theater program. Its success in the arts was recognized by Mel Brooks, who granted the school to be the first ever to gain rights to the musical The Producers in the spring of 2008. It is a school of the arts where students are either music, dance, communication arts, theater, or art majors. There were over 4,000 students in the school as of the 2016 to 2017 school year. The ethnic breakdown of the school is 28% white, 23% black, 26% Asian, 21% Hispanic, and 0.2% Native American. Pretty diverse there. Yeah. And the Edward R. Murrow chess team has won seven national championships, 15 state titles, and 16 city championships. Wow. The Edward R. Murrow High School chess team's success has been chronicled in the book The Kings of New York by sports writer Michael Weinreb. The Kings of New York follows the 2005 championship winning season of the Murrow team. 
So they were way ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the Netflix spurred chess enthusiasm. Exactly. And our special female musician that we have pulled from this school. Yeah, tell me about it. Is Nyesha Jessica Kirkland. She is better known by her stage name, Little Mama. Little Mama. She's an American rapper, singer, actress, and television presenter from Brooklyn, New York, and Harlem, New York. She experienced top 10 billboard placements at 17 with her debut album, VYP, Voice of the Young People. That was in 2008. Yeah. Not debuted at number 25 on the Billboard 200. Okay. The album spawned her four major singles, including her staple song and dance anthem, Lip Gloss. Oh, yeah. Earning her two Team Choice Awards and Monster Single of the Year nominations at the MTV VMAs. Little Mama gained further attention in pop music after a collaboration with Avril Lavigne for the remix of her hit single, Girlfriend. Very cool. Little Mama took a hiatus from music after success of her hit Hustler Girl to stay focused on serving as a judge for a total of seven seasons on MTV's America's Best Dance Crew. And she was doing this at the age of 19 and she was on it, I guess, from 2008 to 2012, which made her one of the youngest judges on any competitive TV show in history. Youngest <laughs> reality show judge. That's uh, something I really enjoy about the Wikipedia entries, particularly for contemporary celebrities. They, they always try and find the most interesting accolades. Yeah. It their... is. I mean, that is a pretty interesting yeah. <laughs> accolade. How many people get that title? Yeah. So there's uh, a couple more things about her. She was cast in her breakout role of the late hip-hop artist Lisa Left Eye Lopez in the VH1 biographical film Crazy Sexy Cool, The TLC Story, which aired in October 2013 and garnered 4.5 million views in the first night. And from the success of the film, Little Mama joined TLC on their tour of their Greatest Hits album. She got the opportunity to perform a tribute to the late rapper at the 2013 American Music Awards, performing the Grammy Award-winning song Waterfalls. And as of 2018, she's managed and mentored by MC Light. MC Light, coming through again. Yeah. With the Brooklyn High School connections. Totally. Yeah. I like the overhangs. I feel like high schools can have some really interesting designs to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know, like, um, I don't know what the point of the overhang is. I don't know if this is like an area where people spend time, but yeah, it is not. I mean, it's nice. Yeah. It feels nice and shady and cozy. Yeah. All right. Walk on to our next high school. All right, up next we have a doozy, both in the alumni that are famous from here and in the particular alumnus we're gonna be talking about today. So this is James Madison High School. And James Madison High School is a public high school in the Madison subsection of Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn. It serves students in grades nine through 12 
and is in Region 6 of the New York City Department of Education. Established in 1925, the school has many famous graduates, among them the late United States Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, two sitting senators in Bernie Sanders and Chuck Schumer, former Senator Norm Coleman of Minnesota, and other famous authors, musicians, and athletes. It is one of only four secondary schools worldwide that has elected five or more Nobel laureates. Wow. Yeah. James Madison High School is organized in accordance with the house system. There are eight houses, each having a teacher coordinator, a guidance counselor, and an assistant principal assigned to supervise and assist students. Sounds like Harry Potter. Yeah. We have special programs. What are the houses called? Here we go. Uh, Hufflepuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, special programs. Most students who apply to James Madison High School have the opportunity to apply to a specific house. They include the Law Institute. And I think it actually the... Uh, oh, I think you're maybe? right. Yeah. The Law Institute. Students develop an understanding of American legal institutions and participate in activities such as moot courts and mock congressional hearings. The Biomedical Institute. Experts explore science through experiments. Experts. Students explore <laughs> science through experimentation and hands-on experience in courses including AP Biology, Pathology, or AP Psychology. Math Academy. Students are given an opportunity to explore mathematics topics and to participate in math-related contests, events, and trips. Liberal Arts House, AVID Academy. The Liberal Arts Academy offers a course of study in humanities and arts, including project-based studies in history, English, literature, creative writing, music, and theater. The Information Technology House, known informally as IT House, offers students the chance to take Microsoft Word and Excel certification exams for free and engage with computer technology, programming, and computer engineering. The Academy of Finance, where students learn the basics of economics, finance, and banking, and compare financial systems on both macro and micro scale. The International House, students of limited English proficiency, a program for students whose primary language is not English, who get the opportunity to learn language and culture through immersion. And the Madison Academy of Community and Civil Service, where students develop their literacy skills through community service projects, such as cross-age tutoring, which matches them up with elementary school students who need help learning how to read. Oh, wow. I mean, this sounds like it was taken right from the brochure. Yeah. And yeah. It also sounds like something that should be in the brochure because I want to go here. Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. great. Sounds great to me, yeah. Also kind of explains why so many really uh, successful, talented people came out of here. That's right. And speaking of successful, talented people, yeah. our resident musician, very famous, may even rival uh, our earlier Barbara Streisand tour. Carol King Klein, also born, or born Carol Joan Klein on February 9th, 1942, is an American singer-songwriter who has been active since 1958, initially as one of the staff songwriters at the Brill Building, and later as a solo artist. Hmm. She is the most successful 
female songwriter of the latter half of the 20th century in the U.S. Wow. Having written or co-written 118 pop hits on the Billboard Hot 100. King also wrote 61 hits that charted in the UK, making her the most successful female songwriter on all UK singles charts between 1962 and 2005. King's major success began in the 1960s when she and her first husband, Gary Goffin, or Jerry Goffin, wrote more than two dozen chart hits, many of which have become standards for numerous artists. She has continued writing for other artists since then. King's success as a performer in her own right did not come until the 1970s when she sang her own songs, accompanying herself on piano in a series of albums and concerts. After experiencing commercial disappointment with her debut album, Writer, King scored her breakthrough with the album Tapestry, which topped the U.S. album chart for 15 weeks in 1971 and remained on the charts for more than six years. King has made 25 solo albums, the most successful being Tapestry, which held the record for most weeks at number one by a female artist for more than 20 years. Her record sales were estimated at more than 75 million copies worldwide. She has won four Grammy Awards and was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for her songwriting. She is a recipient of the 2013 Liberty Congress Gershwin Prize for Popular Song, the first woman to be so honored. And she is a 2015 Kennedy Center honoree. And I, uh, I just copy-pasted her top 10 albums and her top 10 singles for oh, reference. Nice. She has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top 10 albums. Tapestry in 1971, which was number one. Music, which was number one in 1971 as well. 1972's Rhymes and Reasons, which was number two. 1973's Fantasy, number six. 1974's Wraparound Joy, which was number one. Did I say 1974? Okay. 1976's Thoroughbred, which is number three. And 2010's Live at the Troubadour with James Taylor, which was number four. Wow. As far as her top ten singles, I Feel the Earth Move, which was number uh, one in 1971. And It's Too Late, which is 1971 as well. And Sweet Seasons, number nine in 1971. I don't know that one. Was that not the Gilmore Girls one? What no, was the one there? that's where you leave. Oh, okay. Jazz Man, number two in 1974. And Nightingale, number nine in oh. 1974. And those are just her songs. Doesn't reference the many other songs that she wrote for other people. I didn't know that she had written a bunch of songs for other people. Yeah. That's yeah, she's a. That's cool to know. So but she's. That's what she did before, because she's so well known for her own music too. That's right. So she's a. She's a diva in another way. Yeah. She's uh, pulling the strings, of the totally. music industry behind. As we're looking at the behind of this building. <laughs> it's such a massive school. Yeah. It's yeah. So nice looking. There was a ton of kids out here playing. All sorts of sports yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wonder where they are today. Great question. It's, it's still a Thursday. Still a school day. Yeah. I don't know where they are. Maybe. Uh, I guess it's still a school day, but it's still weird COVID rules. Maybe. So maybe they're like, just having kids in every other day or something, and then bleaching the place. Yeah. But all right. We shall continue on. 
to our next school. Okay. All right, here we are at South Shore High School. South Shore High School is one of the two defunct New York City public high schools in Canarsie, Brooklyn, the other being Canarsie High School. Opened in 1970, it had a capacity of 4,000 students in grades 9 through 12. At the peak of enrollment during the 1975 to 76 school year, the comprehensive high school had a student population of 6,800, making South Shore the second largest high school in the United States at the time. Wow. Yeah, it's big. To accommodate the large capacity of students, 13 class periods were provided. The freshmen and sophomores were accommodated in the afternoon to early evening, while juniors and seniors were instructed in the early to late morning. That's wild. South yeah. Shore High School is now closed and its final class graduated in June 2010. Five smaller schools are now operating on the campus. Right. These are the Brooklyn Theater Arts High School, Brooklyn Bridge Academy, Brooklyn Generation School, Victory Collegiate High School, and Academy for Conservation and the Environment. It looks like we have the posters of those respective Oh yeah, here they are here. again. And there's also the South Shore Young Adult Borough Center here, which is an alternative high school evening program and a charter school, making it actually a total of seven schools in the building. That's so strange. I was just going to say, I think it's really cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's great that it's good, but just the idea that like, it's a defunct school, but not really. It's just a re-allocated yeah, I mean, like re naming convention. Right. But I think, uh, I guess what they mean is that it ha it's a defunct like public school. Right. It's no longer just one big sort of standard yeah. school. Yeah. It's now all these specialized schools. And yeah. I, th I guess I think it's cool because it's like, especially something like this these don't really seem to go together yeah but they clearly are together and i feel like if high school students are going to be already learning in this like specialized way i think it's kind of cool that they're surrounded by peers that are learning other things than like potential to maybe work together and utilize their Right. unique skill sets moving forward or something yeah it's like a college yeah yeah like i don't know if that actually happens but i like right. to i imagine that maybe it could right if it's the right environment all right you want so, to tell us about our musician yeah so our musician from this school is alicia ann itkin yeah who was born in on april 16th 1968 in brooklyn she is an American freestyle and dance pop singer who had several club hits in the 80s and 90s. Alicia was born in Brooklyn, as we said, and at age eight, she began receiving vocal lessons and was coaxed into the music business by her parents, who arranged for studio recording se sessions and recitals. At age 14, she joined the rock dance group, The Babysitters in Brooklyn. <laughs> and recorded a demo that her parents started shopping around to various record companies. Vanguard Records bought the, or sorry, Vanguard Records brought the tape to producer Mark S. Berry, who had be, been looking for a vocalist 
for what would become Alicia's first single, All Night Passion. Ooh. <laughs> Released in February 1984, when you were born, yeah. the single became a club hit, peaking at number four on the Hot Dance Club's songs chart. <laughs> yeah. Barry went on to produce her self-titled debut album, which was released in 1985 on Vanguard Records and included additional club hits, Two Turned On, which was number six on the Hot Dance US charts, and her biggest single to date, Baby Talk, which reached number one on the Hot Dance charts in December 85. So maybe not the most famous compared to some of these other people, but no. you should check out Baby Talk. It's quite a fun little track. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I know it. It's very 80s dancey. So nice. It, it fits being number one. Yeah. Here we are. Let's uh, take a quick peek over here at this track setup. I love to see the tracks. <laughs> these schools all have such nice tracks. Yeah, they do. All right. Let's make our way up Flatlands Avenue to our next high school. All right. We're at our next high school, and this is Thomas Jefferson High School off Pennsylvania Avenue in New Lots. Let me read the description. Thomas Jefferson High School was a high school in the East New York section of Brooklyn, New York. It was the alma mater of many people who grew up in the Great Depression and World War II and rose to prominence in arts, literature, and other fields. In 2007, the New York City Department of Education closed the school and broke it into several small schools because of low graduation rates. Once again, another smaller uh, school situation. Since 2007, the school building is known as the Thomas Jefferson Educational Campus and is the home of the High School for Civil Rights, the FDNY High School for Fire and Life Safety, the Performing Arts and Technology High School, and the World Academy for Total Community Health High School. Mm. And uh, there are, uh, there's at least one. Yeah, there's at least two of the flags up there. I don't know if the other two are. Looks like there's actually some empty flagpole. Now this is a fun one. The main entrance of Thomas Jefferson High School is clearly engraved with a quote from Abraham Lincoln. That's right. May reverence for the laws become the political religion of the nation. For 90 years, students and perhaps faculty have wondered why the authorities were unable to find an appropriate quotation from Thomas Jefferson to grace the entrance to his namesake school. (laughs) Why was it? I don't know. Oh, they're still wondering. They're still wondering. I think it was kind of a cheeky uh, addition to the uh, Wikipedia page. There's also this plaque. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we have two famous uh, female singers, performers, okay. musicians. Who are they? The first is Sharon Jones. Oh, okay. Sharon Jones was an American soul and funk singer. She was the lead singer of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, a soul and funk-based group from Brooklyn. Jones experienced breakthrough success relatively late in life, restarting or releasing her first record when she was 40 years old. There's an inspiration for some of the older viewers and listeners out sure. there. In 2014, Jones was nominated for her first Grammy in the category Best R&B Album for a Give the People What They Want. Uh-huh. It was announced on June 3rd, 2013, that Jones had been diagnosed with bile duct cancer oh, no. and had undergone surgery, 
which forced her to postpone the release of the group's fifth album. And I'm sorry, I got a little lost here. Give the People What They Want, the name of the fifth album. The diagnosis was later changed to stage two pancreatic cancer, for which Jones had surgery on her liver and underwent chemotherapy. Ultimately, she passed on November 18th, 2016, in Cooperstown, oh. New York. Yeah. But she was able to find success in her life, so that's great. That's right. And then the second one here, this is a, a little, uh, an interesting one. Linda November, and you may be asking, who is Linda November? I may ask that. She is an American singer who has sung tens of thousands of commercial jingles. Oh my gosh. Like she what? was the voice of the singing cat in the Meow Mix commercials. Oh. And sang the jingle Galaxy Glue from the 1981 film The Incredible Shrinking Woman, as well as the Coke and a Smile jingle in the classic Mean Joe Green Super Bowl commercial. Wow. She's won many Clio awards for her work on television and radio. Her voice can also be heard on many pop songs, as she was a regular backup singer for artists such as Frankie Valli, Burt Baccarat, Engelberg Humperdinck, and Neil Diamond. Oh, wow. So that's like a whole other era of music. We talked about like the Rat Pack era, but then there's that era of music totally. too, which is like kind of a generation after, but still like kind of the quintessential like uh, loungy type performers in a way. In the 1970s, she was one of the main singers in the disco group Wing and a Prayer Fife and Drum Corps, oh. which charted in the top <laughs> with a top 40 hit Babyface in 1976. Oh my gosh, so we had Baby Talk from the other baby school Babyface. Yeah. In the 1980s and 90s, she was a regular performer in Atlantic City at the Grand and Harrah's with her husband, composer and arranger Artie Schrock. As of 2011, she works as a piano accompanist in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, wow. So that was 10 years ago, but yeah, maybe so she's still Yeah, so who knows there. what she's doing today, Linda yeah. November. If you're listening, let us know. Yeah, that's right, Linda, let us know. Uh, yeah, we're on the busy Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. And we've got one more high school we're going to go check out. One more, so uh, stay tuned for the final high school. Let's do it. Final artist. All right, so we're at our final school, and it is Franklin K. Lane High School. That's we right. are in the. We're in Brooklyn. We're in what Cypress neighborhood Hills. are we in? Cypress Hills. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end. It's the end of a, another marathon day. Yeah, where we have been in many neighborhoods, and, and we are we're all blurring together. Very impressive structure. Yeah, this is a really awesome school. Great one to end on, and Jesse's going to read a little bit about it for us. Yeah, so Franklin K. Lane High School was a public high school in New York City. It began as a combined junior senior high school in 1923 and moved into its current building in 1937. In 2012, it was shut down by the city of New York for poor performance. New schools opened on the campus and they are administered by the New York City Department of Education as HS420. Today, the school is the campus site for five different high schools, the Academy of Innovative Technology, the Brooklyn Lab School, Cypress Hill Prep Academy, the Urban Assembly School for Collaborative Healthcare, and multicultural high school. There they are. I like that. I, you know, I've never noticed those signs before, but now that I know 
what it designates. I'm going to notice it all the time. Yeah. So this school is named for Franklin Knight Lane, who was the United States Secretary of the Interior during the administration of President Woodrow Wilson. Hmm. One of the accomplishments of his tenure was the formation of the National Park Service. Oh. Cool. At the time Franklin K. Lane High School was built, it was one of the largest high school buildings in the world. The perimeter of the building measures approximately one quarter mile. Whoa. Wow. The school building was a project of the WPA during the Franklin D. Roosevelt administration. 1936, according to that cornerstone over there. Oh, there it is. In September 2016, exterior shots of the school were filmed for the 2017 blockbuster Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that. While in <laughs> April 2019, interior shots of the school lobby were filmed for the 2019 blockbuster Avengers Endgame. Marvel's got the hookup. Oh my gosh, I guess they're the only ones allowed in the school. I also <laughs> didn't see that, but I know how it ends. The edifice <laughs> portrays the fictional Midtown School of Science and Technology that the protagonist Peter Parker, played by Tom Holland in the film, attends. Oh, okay, in that movie. Okay. Yes. That we didn't... Okay, cool. So, that's a spoiler alert, I guess. Spoiler. Late spoiler alert that if you watch the Avengers Endgame, you'll see this school that Some someone shots. attends. Cool. Yeah. So, the person that we want to know about who attended this, though, Who's this is not musician? this Peter Parker. This is Deirdre Muriel Roper. AKA. DJ Spinderella. DJ Spinderella. Yeah. So she was born August 3rd, 1970. Yeah. She's an American DJ, rapper, and producer, mm -hmm. and is best known as a member of the hip hop group Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper. Roper was introduced to Salt and Pepper producer Herbie Azor just before the group was due to appear at the Westchester Music Festival in 1986. Oh yeah. We'll wait for this train to pass. Yeah. So we get a look at the field out here. You can see that sign for the graveyard. Yeah. Why is it the graveyard? Well, There's we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, we won't tell you that. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. The group's original DJ, LaToya Hansen, had missed several rehearsals and group appearances, and the group was looking for a replacement. Yeah. Future, oh wow, future radio and TV personality Wendy Williams had also auditioned yeah. to be the DJ. Yeah. But Roper was selected as the group's DJ by Azor, taking the name Spinderella at yeah. that time. Yeah. And all that happened right around the time that that group's first album was being released. So she ended up just getting right in the beginning. Yeah. Since she was 16, at the time of joining, Roper's parents had to give permission for her to travel around the country, um, which is crazy. I mean, she was, again, another yeah, we, person that we was start, probably going to this school We at start the time. and end the episode with 16-year-old uh, musicians. Totally. So the trio became one of the most successful female hip-hop acts of all time. They released five studio albums and saw several platinum and gold singles. 
Spinderella has produced several songs on the group's albums as well. On May 3rd, 2019, Spinderella announced in an Instagram post that she had been terminated from salt and Peppa as of January 2019 and yeah. had broken her silence after the band hadn't made a public announcement regarding their parting of ways. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. That is too bad. But I guess it's a... Well, well now we're going to... I was going to say, I guess it's a good thing to end on as we are about to part our ways from anyone Going, watching yeah. but um, as we get to the conclusion since this was our last school and we're segueing from the school to the graveyard yeah and that's why that track and field is called the graveyard pretty wild to go from a school like that to this gothic-y tombstone filled graveyard yeah well i remember when we were first walking out into this area and we saw the graveyard first and we saw the school, but what we could see only was the tower of the school, yeah. which see, can't see right now, but we'll be able to see it again in a moment. Foliage. And we were trying to figure out, is that a church? Is yeah. that a part of the graveyard? What's going on? I think we walked into the graveyard and went all the way up to the border before we realized that, oh, that's a different yeah. building. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a vibey place to go to school, huh? Yeah. But yeah, that's DJ Spinderella, and that's our episode. I think I think it was nine total different high schools. Yeah, that sounds right. With all the different amazing musicians of varying genres and talents, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad that we got a chance to check them all out. Yeah, me too. And you know. This isn't really kind of like as poetic as I'd like it to be. Maybe if I had a few more days to think about it. But during the day today, I was thinking, wow, it's so cool that all these inspiring people went to high school around here. And there's probably people that knew them before they were famous, right? Right. And then I thought, oh, there's probably future famous people <laughs> going to some of these high schools right now. Yeah, totally. So that's exciting. Stay tuned for our podcast 20 years from now. 2040. On all of that. Total, <laughs> total recap. Total, re total recap. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, on that. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll, uh, we'll close on that note. See you later. Thanks so much for watching. If you like this, please hit the like button. Please. Hit the subscribe button. We're making it happen. There's only five more weeks There's left. There's only a few more weeks left. Yeah, if you uh, want to see our final walks, keep, in, keep, in, keep following. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's the end of the day. It's the end of the episode. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.